Hi, this is Father Michael Dank for the next episode of Praying with Priests, and I'm very excited to have Father Jeremy Merchweiler with me. Father Jeremy was ordained in 2015, so some would say he's still a baby priest. Uh, his, his MA was in actually imaginative prayer, so Father Jeremy, I'm very excited to have you here and to interview you with Praying with Priests. Thank you. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your MA and why you chose that topic. Uh, my MA was on the Ignatian uh, imagination and imaginative prayer uh, through the, the way of St. Ignatius and how he spells it out. Uh, I chose it because uh, the summer before I attended a 30-day Ignatian uh, spiritual exercises with St. Ignatius at IPF or the Institute of uh, Priesthood. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the IPF and the Priestly Institute and your 30-day retreat. So with that retreat, it really uh, was an invitation uh, to enter into prayer in a new way that I hadn't really experienced before. It was really allow, about allowing uh, the Lord to become real in a new way in my prayer, that uh, the imagination wasn't something fake or an illusion, but it was actually the canvas by which uh, God would uh, allow Christ to enter into my life in a new way and allow me to enter in, in to encounter the Lord in a real way. So it was, it was such a gift. Well, we'll talk about that more later, but I want to start off, I like to start off at the very beginning. What was your first memory of God or prayer? My first memory. When did you ex first experience a feeling of God? I remember uh, I was probably four years old, um, and my mom would take me to daily mass, and you know, I you kind of would go inside the church, and your mom would say, "This is God's home," and things like that. And I was always like awestruck about that. I'm like, "Wow, God lives here. That's pretty cool." But uh, it was kind of just going to Mass every morning that I, I experienced something. I didn't really know what it was, but you experienced some sort of peace, peace. or some sort of like, you know, it was a good thing. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I knew. But I didn't really know how to articulate it, but I just kept, my mom would take me every morning to daily Mass, and it was kind of, uh, she says I even talked about priesthood back in the day, but... I just thought you don't remember that, or do you? I don't remember it, but I I even thought like, well, that's easy. They just light a candle, and they, <laughs> it was Father Corrigan at St. Vincent. He would just light a candle and say some prayers. I said, hey, I could do that. <laughs> I just want to describe to our listeners right now that Father Jeremy has a very difficult time sitting still. So right now he's actually kneeling. <laughs> I'm kneeling down because if I sit down, I like to take a nap. I've done that my whole life. So how did you survive? How did you make it through mass? What, as a child? As a child, yeah. Were you like this as a child? Uh, yeah, I got a lot of quiet time in the corner after Mass, because <laughs> I'd go underneath the pew to the other side and things like that. But the saving grace of that was, I remember my dad would always pick me up and kind of, I'd stand on the pew, and that was kind of like a, wow, mm. I'm as tall as an adult now. <laughs> so. What about your personal experience? Did you have any personal experiences of prayer or God? growing up as a child yeah I think my real uh, real encounters with, uh, with God early on in prayer uh, maybe 
a couple major ways as a child. Um, I think number one was this family prayer. My mom would always take time for us to pray uh, the rosary as a family. Uh, we we also, uh, she would take me to like prayer cynicals. What is that for people that don't know? Like a prayer cynical is like a, a prayer meeting every week where we would um, maybe pray a few prayers. Uh, it also was kind of centered on uh, the Marian devotion and then share about our experiences in the spiritual life. It was very power, powerful for like an 11-year-old. Would you yeah. share or would you just go and listen? I mostly would listen. Uh -huh. But there are times, I mean, that we can share different experiences. But I, I mostly listened at that point. But okay. as far as invitation to uh, to really give your life to Mary, to consecrate, we consecrate our family to Mary at an early age. What, um, what was that like? Do you remember that? It was or? beautiful. Oh, yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. Describe that for our Just, listeners. Um, you know, it's, we had a good friend of the family who was very uh, tied to Mary in, in his life, and he just invited us uh, to pray that act of consecration that, you know, John Paul II was very adamant and, and supported, and it's really allowing Mary to take over your life, uh, but ultimately uh, so that we can be drawn to Jesus. So it was very powerful. Um, what was the moment of consecration with your family? We did it, I think, I don't remember the date exactly, but I remember being in the living room mm -hmm. and just praying it together. And um, yeah, you almost feel like uh, very natural because every morning before school, we'd always pray like the morning offering. You know, I give you all my prayers, works, joys, everything of this day. You know, we we kind of stand, we kneel there before the bus would come and pray this prayer. Hmm. My mom would invite us and it was kind of like a continuation of that so that everything we did was offered for the Lord. Um, so it, it kind of helps to frame your day and your life. Wow. So um, is that the Louis de Montefort's total consecration to Mary or is it that? It was similar to that. Okay. It was Father Gobi, that Mary movement of priests. Okay. And it's like this little blue book. A, his order was based out of Maine. Good. So for our listeners, I'll make sure to post that in our resources. Yeah, it's a for powerful you. resource. Um, but also, just growing up, um, I'd say about eighth grade is when I, I really started to, to experience the Lord, um, you know, in prayer in a in a beautiful way. Uh, me and a few buddies of mine would have a little prayer group with uh, this other uh, older guy who was strong in the faith, he'd come by and just kind of teach us, uh, kind of give us warnings about what to look ahead of in life and uh, things like that. And we talk about the faith. That was beautiful. But uh, I think as far as personal prayer, I, I think I grew the most, uh, as funny as it sounds, on the golf course. Hmm. Like uh, my sister worked at a pool um, in Barberton, Clinton area. And she was kind enough to let me have free golf. So every day, I would, uh, pretty much the summer before freshman year of high school, I golfed every day. Probably 18 holes a day. And uh, my mom would drop me off, and I would just, my friends wouldn't be that dedicated. <laughs> so they would come maybe a couple times a week. But every other day, I'd just be out there by myself in amidst nature. 
And that's when I, you know, the silence that uh, was really a part of the game and I was really drawn into God. Um, whether just seeing the birds or uh, just the nature of the trees, all that, tied in with silence and my own thoughts, uh, I really grew close to who I was and to, to maybe, you know, my relationship with God just in general through creation. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about both of those, silence and creation. Yeah, it was a great combo. I think that's why I still golf today. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's been a good 20 years. Probably. So that was before your freshman year in high school. And you went, did you go to parochial? Where'd you go to grade school? Went to grade school at both St. Vincent in Akron and then also St. Philip and James okay. in Fulton. In high school? High school was Northwest. Northwest, so that's public high school? Public. So. Okay, so... Did, were you involved in any kind of youth group, or how did your prayer life go through high school, or was it just on the golf course? What was that like? High school, uh, my high school prayer life was, um, our youth group maybe was about four or five kids, so I never, I I have to say that I, I was probably uh, assumed that I knew the faith, <laughs> all I needed to know by eighth grade, like uh -huh. probably 90% of uh, Catholics in high school. I don't know. I, I just felt like I already knew it. So why go? I, in I didn't, maybe I felt too cool or I don't uh -huh. know what it was, okay. but, uh, in all honesty, I, I didn't really participate in any high school activity, a small parish. Um, but youth group was maybe like going bowling or with like four or five kids. And I was just too cool for school at that mm -hmm. point in my mind. Mm -hmm. But, uh, God only knows <laughs> It was, reality was probably... Did you continue going to Mass and praying throughout high school? Yes. So, um, um, always went to Mass. My mom was very active in the parish, um, different, many different ways, and uh, she'd always invite us to different activities uh, as far as volunteer opportunities and things like that. Um, she also was in charge of, you know, really adoration, uh, scheduling that mm. so who would be the one who would fill in one or two hours a week when there would be a need but yours truly myself so <laughs> I would I would go and um, that's that's a major way I uh, a, a real major way I encountered the Lord so it was just sitting there with the Lord and initially initially again I I was like, well, if I have to be here, I might as well bring my chemistry homework. Uh -huh. I'll just do it, and then everyone's happy. <laughs> <laughs> so but initially you went because you were forced. forced. Your, mo your mother needed a replacement, and right. she sent you. So I did. Uh -huh. I, I didn't gripe about it. I just did it. But um, it's funny how the Lord kind of prepares and guides you in that way because he was building a foundation because about halfway through uh, high school, I... I kind of fell in a few ways, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't going on the right path. I won't give too many details, but, uh -huh. you know, life of party and things like that. Just look up St. Augustine's life, and you just kind of, um, you realize, you know, this isn't what I'm made for. Uh -huh. um, I'm not made for this. And it was kind of like, you know, you started to come to the Lord with things on your heart. And, uh, you know... So you would naturally do that in high school. You bring things to the Lord at adoration. Well, what happened, a big moment for adoration with me was uh, 
I'd say maybe halfway through high school, uh, you know, we, we were always like, I think our family was maybe 10 to 11 o'clock at night we'd go on Thursdays. And then someone would come from 11 to 12 and close. But, you know, this evening I went, but no one came to close. And I remember my dad saying, all right, this is what you do if you have to close and repose the sacrament. And I was like maybe 16 or 17 at the time. No one came. So it was about 11.55 or 12. I'm like, I got to go. I got to go to school, you know. So uh, I went up to the Lord and I, I took the, the Luna out of the monstrance. And it was like right when the, the Luna was in my hands, I had I just said, oh, my God, uh-huh. you know, this is God. You know, I think I'd been taught the real presence, uh-huh. and I knew it intellectually. But um, it was a moment when I really realized it was God. Wow. And it was like... You were I, holding him. And I, I was holding God. It was like, <laughs> what the heck happened? You know, my whole life. So I went to the tabernacle, and it was just like this moment where I lost track of time, and I just... I remember driving home just saying, I just held God in my hand. I just had God in my hand. It was like crazy. And it was just like an eye opener or a heart opener or whatever you want to call it. And from that, I, that's when I really started to, you know, when I would struggle, when I felt like I failed God, I would just come to the Lord with my struggles. I cry, I, I praise God, I do all the things with the Lord in adoration. That, that's kind of where this relationship uh, really blossomed. Uh-huh. And that's why I support it today, because, wow, I mean, our Lord wants to be with us. It's the, in, and that's so true that every Mass, when we receive the Lord, it's in our hands. Mm. We hold God, not only in our hands, but in our bodies. It's just this ripple effect of understanding that we need to just be aware of, uh, that sadly our church as a whole isn't, but that's what we need to pray about and for, mm. that people realize this awesome... Uh, reality of God in our lives. Yeah. So So that was in high school. That was in high school. That's pretty profound. Yeah. So praise God. What, um, where would you say the next development would be? Say you go to college, you know, um, was your prayer life maintained through that? Um, yeah, my prayer life in, in college was, uh, I was always praying a lot because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Uh huh. So I went to, uh, four colleges and like four semesters, my first four semesters. And I was just really not four, co- four colleges and four semesters. Yeah. So I was not at peace yeah. about, um, any job, any job aspect or any, um, degree, you know, I would try something. Then there was a very restlessness at the core of my being. Uh-huh. So I would always come back to the Lord in prayer, um, in adoration and, just nothing would fulfill my heart, you know. I I had a knack for engineering. I loved math. You know, I was practically just at peace doing math. Um, but something at the core of my very being was not fulfilled. Um, and then you went on to work for a couple of years, right? So uh, basically, long story short, I I tried engineering, architecture, engineering, and then I. About halfway through, I started to talk to um, the diocesan um, vocation director. Oh, okay. And 
and I also encountered a spiritual director through the Legionnaires of Christ, and they they really um, just helped me to uh, to maybe enter into it as a marathon, not like a I have mm -hmm. to decide today, mm -hmm. but it's like you know, first things first. Maybe let's just get a degree, and then and let's keep praying about where you want to go, because I I'm like. I was checking out religious orders and different dioceses, and I was everywhere. So by that time, I just used those last two years of college um, to kind of really, uh, you know, just try to figure out where my heart is. Um, so I, my last couple of years, I did 50-some credit hours, and I was personally burnt out with college. So I, um, I spent a good year or two just painting. <laughs> I just wanted to use my hands. I wanted to do, I just wanted to be normal. Academia was never uh, my longing. But, um, uh, God only knows I went back uh, for six more years after that, so. Well, so the painting, that's more silence. Was that any that was prayerful fantastic. for you, or? Exactly. So, painting to me is like the rosary. So, uh, I need to be doing something so that I can enter deeper into thought, prayer, meditation, things like that. So painting like the rosary, you're doing something. You're reciting the prayers. You're rolling a, you know, you're rolling a paint on the wall, but you're really in deep thought. You're really thinking, meditating on life, your life, in relationship with God. So uh -huh. it's a it's a gift. And when did the call come? Or well, it sounds like the call was working throughout that whole time, but when was it, when did you know it was time to enter the seminary? Time to enter? Well, one thing about myself, my <laughs> one of my middle names could be indecisiveness. <laughs> so uh, the Lord really needed to place a lot, of, a lot of priests, a lot of family, a lot of friends in my life uh, to kind of nudge me, to keep nudging me. Um, I was going to you know, spiritual direction, but also talking to our vocation director after college. It was about year two, or maybe year and a half, um, year and a half after talking for about a year that, you know, the vocation director was like, all right, you have to make a decision here. <laughs> uh, so I, I went to my uh, priest friend and I asked him and he did something beautiful. And I'll share this just for anyone out there who's discerning their vocation is, uh, you know, I kind of had to make a decision the day, the day after. So he, he just kind of invited me into his church and uh, sat me in the pew and said, could you see yourself, you know, living as a lay person, glorifying the Lord with your work, things like that. And I said, yes, what a gift. I, I love that. I love to use my hands. I love to glorify the Lord with my work. So then he pulled me up to the base of the altar, and he he asked me, could you see yourself getting married, you know, laying mm. your life down for a woman and having children, having a family? And immediately I said, yes, of course. Um, that's where my heart is. I, I would love and long to be a father. Um, and that's, you know, to be there for family is how I've lived my life. So then he saw he was kind of getting nowhere, so he pulled me around <laughs> um, the altar, the other side of the altar, and he, he placed the 
Roman Missal or the Sacramentary at that time. He placed it on the altar and invited me to pray the Eucharistic prayer, number two. And he said, you'll, you'll be praying this uh, every day. Can you do this, you know? And so I started to pray it and really halfway through, something inside of me said I had to do it. Oh, wow. I had to do it. And I kind of started to cry and it was like, it's like, it was kind of an invitation from the Lord to surrender, to surrender and say, here we go. Huh. So the Lord's always working. And for me, it's like in my indecisiveness, he has to put uh, really big things in my way. So, or, or really people to challenge me um, to, to enter in, to, to make the steps, to make a decision mm. so that you can move forward in life. That's powerful. So then you went into the seminary and tell us just a, uh, a little bit about your your prayer life through the seminary. Some people don't know what that's like. They think maybe seminarians are monks and we, you know, give give, them an, give us an idea of what it's like to be in the seminary and to pray. Did that impact your prayer life? Did your prayer life grow? Did it stifle your prayer life? What was that like? Well, I think seminary improved my prayer life. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful time. I mean, how many people can say that the chapels right down you know, the hall, uh, not too many people, you know, the Lord was there, um, throughout the whole thing. And, you know, every night I'd go and, you know, God only knows what time, nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night, you could, you could just be there with the Lord. And, um, you know, after, especially after the first year of watching the guys get ordained, uh, seeing how they laid prostrate to give their life to the Lord. I would oftentimes just go to the chapel and just lay prostrate underneath the tabernacle and just allow the Lord to to kind of just embrace me. Uh, it was very powerful. But, you know, you're learning so much uh, in those years. You know, they're just packing you uh, in with information and knowledge from different theologians and saints that um, prayer was the was an outlet that allowed us to put things into practice, to put different thoughts um, uh, to use. Mm -hmm. So I, I found that to be very productive. But I, I did see a change in my prayer. Um, you know, very conversational the first few number of years um, with the Lord. But I'd say the last couple years... Um, it was just kind of like saying nothing, like just bringing nothing, just bringing, just entering into silence, but in a deeper way where I would just kind of release and offer, uh, you know, all my thoughts at the altar and just kind of being there. And that was key. That was key. Just being there with the Lord. Um, not saying anything, not doing anything, but just being there, where you have no thought. Um, that was so productive, so so peace-filling that, um, I don't know, I would encourage that. But oftentimes these conversations, this way of prayer, meditation, things like that, uh, is so productive. But ultimately it's, it's that moment um, when you can just... Be with the Lord, not say a word, not think a word, not do anything that uh, 
sometimes that's, that's where I experience love the most. Mm. It's beautiful. And then you made your 30-day Ignatian retreat. So uh, for, for people that don't know, that's the spiritual exercises. St. Ignatius has uh, spiritual exercises, which he, he encouraged all of his um, disciples to do. However, anyone can do that. Lay people can do that. Seminarians can do that. Priests did that. So you did that as a seminarian? Yeah, I was entering my last year at the seminary. So thanks be to God, the the faculty allowed me to enter into this uh, despite the fact that I had to do a summer internship. So I think the seminary about that. But I did it because I wanted to really focus uh, my discernment. I wanted to bring everything of who I was to the picture and just lay it all out before I would uh, literally lay my life down as a deacon, you know, for the church and get ordained, uh, receive holy orders. So I just wanted it to be a sacred time that summer before. Mm. And it was, it was. So you did, you went out to Creighton and uh, spent 30 days in silence and prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, what's People always ask me, what's that, what's that like to be in silence for 30 days? Well, it wasn't all silence. About every 10 days we would take a break for about eight hours and maybe go to the zoo or do something, talk. But um, it was amazing to me. Uh, the first the first third of it, uh, it was kind of like de-technology, you know, de, I don't know how to say it, but this getting rid of technology, um, being detached from that uh, was, was beautiful. But then also kind of the silence and the lack of interaction with people opened me up to like a lot of my life, my past, uh. um, everything kind of rose to the surface of my heart and mind and you're confronted with who you are good and bad so it was it was really a gift to say wow wow these things must still be going on in me mm -hmm. uh let's uh and you're not alone when you're dealing with them you're you're asking the lord to walk with you in those and it was beautiful i mean the first sort of the week or the exercises you do like a general confession and uh you just kind of look at your whole life, how you've lived, and maybe uh, the good the good things you've accomplished, but also, you know, where you need to grow, and maybe the root the root sins in your life, uh, you just bring to the Lord. And it was after that that I really exp experienced God's love in a beautiful way, and uh, just kept receiving the Lord's love. And but altogether, I think the whole experience um, made me realize. The realness of God, that God is alive, yeah, and um, we can receive from the Lord. You know, I think most of us in our prayer lives, we we give and we say we say things, we shout out to God like He's from a distance, and we say, "God, I need this. Help me. I'm screwing up here. Help me." You know, my family, my friends, myself, and then we just go back on our day. Mm. But it's like the Lord has something to share. The Lord's alive. The saints are alive. Mary's alive. The Father is alive. And He wants to share something with you. He wants to share His life. And uh, this Ignatian way of praying, where we engage our imagination, we engage um, every aspect of who we are, especially with the Scriptures, um, is just kind of 
an area that allows our hearts and minds to be open. And um, it's a way that, yes, opens us up to this real encounter, this real personal encounter uh, that uses our imagination, that uses uh, the gifts that God has given us uh, so that we can receive, that we can receive the Lord's uh, life, the Lord's love, um, and His will, can understand His will in our lives. So I, I got back and I was like, wow, God is real, God is real, this is amazing. And uh, while we know God is real, like I, I think it was a deeper knowing. Mm-hmm. That's what I, how I could describe. And that's, I think, my deepest desire is to help people come to know God for real and to right. experience this personal relationship we, that we all desire and right. that God wants to, to, to give to us. How did you experience him for real? Can you give us an example or two of the moments where he seemed the most real to you on that 30-day? Mm, beautiful. Um how did God seem real? I mean, um, I think uh, you just using the way of imaginative prayer, um, you know, Ignatius would invite you to kind of let the scene play out in your life. And uh, as you read the scriptures, you just kind of um, picture the Lord. And you kind of picture, uh, you know, yourself in these scenes. Could you give us one? Um, that was extremely powerful. Um, yeah, there was there was many times where the Lord was this real. Um, but, you know, I remember, you know, because you do that, Ignatius would invite you to do that. Um, you know, with Jesus, you know, you would, you would allow the scripture scene to unfold. And then uh, it was about, you know, Asking the Father first, what do you want to share in this? Uh-huh. And then ask Jesus, what do you want to share in this encounter? And then you ask Mary. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember even praying with the scriptures um, with Psalm 51. And, you know, it was all about, um, you know, it's a beautiful psalm. And it's an invitation uh, to allow God's mercy into your life in a new way. And it's saying, hey, I'm a sinner, and I need you, Lord. And I I remember praying Psalm 51 with the Father, and uh, in Jesus, and it was just like, they were preparing my heart. But when I got to Mary, it was like Mary was a surgeon. (laughs) And I just, I remember this deep invitation from Mary to just, just allow her to work on me to do some open heart surgery on my heart. So it was like, this is real. I mean, it was so real. It sounds crazy. So paint the picture. Where, how did you see or experience the Father, the Son, and Mary? So I was in, the, uh, I was in one of the chapels on Creighton's campus, um, actually the chapel where the residence was for um, the Jesuits. And, you know, just that experience, uh, it was like the Father... Jesus were just kind of um, inviting me just to be open uh, as I prayed that psalm. But um, it was Mary that, you know, when you're imagining this encounter, it it is real. And she just, it was like a, a deep invitation to just allow me to let her handle my heart. So I could just 
I could feel her just taking my heart. Mm. In my heart, I could see my heart. And it looked like uh, just an image. You know how you have those sea creatures on the in the ocean after an oil spill? It just looked like an oily, dirty, like just an oily heart. Uh-huh. And I could just see her, you know, just cleaning it. And, you know, just caressing it. And I was just like overjoyed. And it just made me realize, like, we try to do so much on our own. But how easy it is um, just to call on our mom, to call on our father, to call on Jesus and allow them to do some surgery, allow them to take our hearts and make them clean again. And I was just overjoyed and just felt like amazed and energized and very unfair at uh you know, who Mary was, that she could just renew me like that. It was just kind of like, you're telling me you can just do this all the time? <laughs> it's amazing. So it's like I had to share this with my family. Just come to Mary. She's going to renew you. You know, she wants to, to get that spiritual dawn on your heart, you know, and get rid of all that. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, it just seemed like the Lord just kept, you know, showing to me how real he was. I mean... Just praying, Ignatius would invite you to pray. Uh, you know, invite you to pray with Christ's life, um, even as a teenager. Um, you know, where you, I found myself entering into, uh, you know, Christ's teenage years. You know, seeing, seeing him in in class. You know, as like a class clown, very humorous. And it was a it was an angle of Christ that I I never even thought of. How beautiful, you know, just to get to know the Lord on these many levels, hmm. and it's all through prayer. But it, it was a very intimate, like, wow, this is amazing. The Lord's let me into His life on so many levels. But uh, you know, I could talk all day about that, about every day, because you did about five holy hours a day. And um, they were all opportunities. Uh, to yeah, so every them. holy hour you enter into another meditation, another, another scripture passage. Another scene. Another, yeah. You know, it was just like most days, I mean, I would, liken, I would liken it to a trip to Rome maybe, where you're just like uh, inundated with beauty. You know, church after church, you're mm -hmm. like, all right, this is enough, this is <laughs> enough. But it was like God was like, I want to I wanna work. I want to work on you. I want to enter into your life. But the reality is, it's not just on a 30-day retreat. God wants to do this every day. He wants to enter into your life every day. And I think that's what the Mass reminds us of. Um, he doesn't only carry a two-by-four. I mean, he's smacking us over the head like every Mass, like saying, <laughs> here I am, here I am, here's my word, here's my, um, my life, my whole body, blood, soul, and divinity, everything I want to share with you. And it's like... Again, we're not open to how real God is. And we just need to open ourselves up to that reality. And that's kind of where my thesis uh, was about, that we need to enter into this way of prayer with the scriptures uh, as a way to prepare to, to enter into the Mass, oh, enter into the beautiful. liturgy, that we can use these ways. We can sit with scripture every week and um, use these ways Ignatius lies out 
so that we can prepare our, our hearts, prepare our minds for that two by four <laughs> in essence. So, so talk about that transition from the 30 day retreat that your last year before getting ordained. Now you're getting, now your ordination happens and, and you, now you're a priest you're a year and a half in a priesthood, right? Yeah. So just give us uh talk, wherever you want to talk about that experience of becoming a priest. Yeah. That whole transition. Wow. That's amazing. Um, yeah, the whole the whole thing is like after the the thirty day, I longed for just that time, um, that time of just kind of being alone with God. But all to all of a sudden, you're you're kind of, you know, uh, you give your life, and the Lord just gives everything to you, and says, "Here, here are my people," and you you kind of realize. You're here to serve. You're here to lay it all out. You're here to lay it all out for them and um, love them. But what I was finding is, uh, if you don't come to the Lord, if you don't tap into the Lord first, you just run out of uh, things to give. That ultimately isn't it. Isn't Jeremy that people want? It's Jesus. Um, and it, if I don't pray, if I don't at least be with the Lord on a day-to-day -day level. Um, you can get exhausted. You can, uh, you know, you need to be with the Lord, and the Lord's gonna give you what you need to give them. So that's what priesthood has very much been like a teeter totter, or not a teeter totter, but maybe a waterfall would be the best image. And it's really the image of the Christian life that we come to the Lord, and the Lord fills us with His life, and we receive that and then pour that out for others and love. So it's just this, this very much this waterfall effect. Um, for the people. But, what do you remember from ordination itself? Are there any moments that were powerful for you? For priesthood? or Yeah, diaconate? priesthood. Or, well, either one. Um, or both. Diaconate. Diaconate. I, I really saw the whole Paschal mystery from diaconate to, to priesthood. Diaconate, I felt like I was dying. I was given everything that it was, you know, my life... Um, it was, it was a death. It was like a death to my life. But uh, priesthood ordination was like huh. this life-giving, joyful. I mean, I was just, I, I remember when you leave ordination, uh, the people start clapping for you. And I just had tears of joy. And I was just on fire and I had tears of joy. And it was 180 degree difference from diaconate ordination that like the whole time, I was like almost laughing with joy. The whole ordination that there was a rising. Um, and it was like, yes, you know, here I am, Lord. Here I am. And there was, there was such beauty about that day. And then um, you get to be with your family and uh, you're just ready. You're ready to give it. Give it all, even though you don't know anything. I mean, you know things. You spent six years studying, but you really don't know. Um, and I think that not knowing is always an invitation to come back to the Lord. Always coming back to the Lord with our, our shortcomings and uh, saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. It's always praying that Matt Marr song, Lord, I need you, uh -huh. every day. Because... Um, that's what my priesthood's been about. I, I think I pray that song all the time. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you because 
I just can't do it by myself. Um, but it's just been, I don't think I could say that about any other job or vocation. Uh, the Lord would have placed in my life where I would have chosen that this, that most of all in our lives and our vocations, um, I think the Lord draws us to these vocations uh, because they're where we are most vulnerable. They're uh -huh. where we need the Lord the most. Mm -hmm. um, if I would have seen myself as a construction manager or running my own company, I think I would have known it all. And mm -hmm. I would have, I that would have felt very, as much. I would have felt very confident and I could see myself going 40 years, you know, maybe just practicing the faith, but not really, you know, entering into that, that vulnerability, that really area in my life where I need the Lord in everything I do. Huh. And I'm sure parents fall under that same thing where it's like, wow, I need you, Lord. This is too much. But that's what the Lord the Lord says, this is too much. But uh, he keeps walking, he keeps carrying that cross, and then we know where the cross leads us uh, to resurrection. So that's, um, I think that's where uh, it's all about, that the Lord wants us to be uh, where we need him the most. Yeah, and that we experience him in our poverty. Right. Our, that's Amazing. beautiful. I want to talk about priesthood. And your your experience of prayer, both communal and private, you know. So the church says it's like breathing in and out. We need both. That's right. What has it been like? What? How? Just tell us about praying as a priest with the people for the people. What have been? Give us an image of your favorite moments or. Mm. Well, being able to pray, uh, lead the people in prayer has been such a gift. It's unfair. I use that word because. I mean, I get to pray for a living, first off. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's just unfair. But what I find is I might experience um, difficulty in my day, but then when it comes to Mass, um, when it comes time to enter into the celebration, I tell you, transformation occurs the very first five minutes uh, where we sing the opening hymn, where you walk down the aisle and... Uh, I just experience the joy of the people, the joy of the community, and that just sets my heart on fire. And it's just it becomes a joy-filled experience, uh, fully. I mean, I, I just get energized, you know. So by the time I say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, my spirit is raised up, and I'm ready to just give it all. Like that's what it's all about. I just I find myself just with that invitation to just give it all at every mass, and. Uh, Sometimes you literally feel exhausted. I could paint 14 hours and feel the same way after just one mass sometimes. Because it's like, I don't know if it's your adrenaline or just the spirit just inviting you to just lay it all out on, you know, on the line for the people. And uh, it's just amazing. So the second lung would be, um, would be that uh, personal prayer. And I think that personal prayer... Uh, it's so necessary uh, so that we can be alive in those public prayers. Uh -huh. um, you know, really, I find uh, the personal prayer uh, is really an invitation to bring these people that I pray with uh, to the Father, to uh, 
Oh, oftentimes when I'm in personal prayer, these people come to my mind. These people come to my heart. And it's just always a surrendering them to the Father, saying, Lord, they need you. Lord, they need you. Lord, they need you. Help them. Help them. Guide them. Um, and then uh, we come. I, I come to the, to the Father, and it's just like, um, again, the core of my prayer is just being with Him. Um, not even saying a word. Just being with Him. And, uh, you know, that's where it's at. What's that like? Um, I mean, you've heard it said probably like an old couple who just sit on a, a rocker, a porch swing. You know, they don't say a word. But, um, you know, our lives are so busy. Our lives are so kind of stressful. Not only ours, but everyone. Uh, that that time where you just have nothing on your mind. It's a gift. That time where you just say, here I am, Lord. Um, that's when I feel like you can receive. Right? You're uh, kind of a construction term. You, you kind of dump everything uh, at the tabernacle uh -huh. of the Lord and you just kind of, you're empty there. And you're just kind of filled with anticipation of what the Lord wants to give you at that moment. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what my prayer has been like. Um, kind of a dumping and then a receiving. Um, but um, I do, I do, I mean, in all honesty, I, I struggle, I struggle with, uh, with prayer. Uh, finding, trying to find like a, a steady schedule just because... The priesthood doesn't have a steady schedule. I mean, we have mass scheduled, but other than that, it's kind of like an open canvas of, um, uh, uh, you know, whatever comes, comes. So um, it's kind of always being attentive to, okay, there's an hour. Maybe there's a snow day cancellation. Well, maybe I should pray right now while I can. Um, that's what it's all about, being attentive. And see that that attentiveness is key throughout your whole day, because the Holy Spirit is always speaking and wanting to speak to your heart. The Holy Spirit is always wanting to inspire you to do something for God's greater glory. So just be open. Allow your heart and mind to be open to that inspiration. Allow your heart and mind to be open to anything the Holy Spirit might share uh, with you. Maybe it's just an idea to do something. Write it down. Pray about it. Um, the Holy Spirit is all the time inspiring, inspiring us. So the more we can allow our hearts and minds to be open to that, uh, the more God, God's grace can be active and in the lives of others through you. So. Yeah, and I, sometimes I look at the subtitle of this praying with priests as, Father, teach us how to pray. And I think people want to learn, they want to know how to pray. And oftentimes they look to their priests, so... What would be some advice that you would give to people that want to grow in their prayer life? Hmm. Well, first things first, um, you know, come to the Eucharist. I mean, if you just come to Mass, I mean, that's the Lord's going to give us what we need. Um, he's going to give us the life and energy, the life source we need to have that sustenance to pray. 
I mean, you can't mm. just you can't go out there and expect to to walk a you know or run a marathon without eating. Uh, we need the Lord, and um, uh, coming you know to these fundamental encounters with the Lord huh. at Mass, adoration. I mean, that's those were the fundamental ways that I encountered the Lord, and the Lord kept speaking in deeper ways, and. Uh, Allow that to be the foundation. Um, and then from that... I would imagine, too, confession. Confession is key, of course. Um, my whole life, my mom would... <laughs> she would take us. And I never... I never thought... Um, I'd say, you know, my early years, I, I didn't really understand it. But I, she would keep faithfully bringing us to confession... I remember my early teens, I really experienced and encountered the Lord in confession. And that's when I was sold. Huh. It was in, there was some sort of conviction in my heart that allowed me to see Christ in that action. I was won over. So yes, the sacraments first. I mean, we all know that answer, I guess. But really entering into it. Um, bringing everything of who you are into that. But that's kind of the canvas. Um... From that, what are we called to do? We're called to go out um, and kind of begin to live our lives uh, and encounter people and maybe um, allow your encounters with people to be a prayer um, where you, you kind of see the needs of people and allow that to engage your own prayer life on that fundamental level. Um, you know, when you... When you intercede for others. Wow, there's a lot of needs out there. So allow those encounters to feed that prayer. But also, you, it's just always a call to go deeper. So uh, I think that attentiveness on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment level is also key. That whether you're on the stop sign and uh, in your car, you shut your radio off and you just start driving for five minutes. You know, be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit into your mind, your heart. And uh, just ask the Holy Spirit for inspiration. And be attentive to what God wants to give you. He'll guide you. He'll guide you. And I think all of us are looking for guidance every day. But oftentimes we don't go there first. Uh, We go to crazy places. And we need to go to God. So how does one go to God? Um, I think we or go where? to God I, again in that in that um, anticipation, that um, inviting of the Lord, um, and then um, in that silence. I think that silence is key. Um, the silence with the Lord, to just be with the Lord, to sit and just be. I mean, you can share your heart, share your heart, your mind, your soul. That's prayer. But give yourself the same amount of time to receive from God. Because our God is just mm-hmm. such a giver. Mm-hmm. Our God is a giver. And that's the key. Yeah, I think people often, and the, I love the construction image, I think people are used to dumping before God, but it's hard for us then to be empty and then receive what He wants to give us. Right, just be, be attentive. It could be a, a feeling, a thought, a desire inspiration, whatever, you name it. It could be a going back to some 
wound that the Lord wants to heal. Uh, the Lord is such a healer and a giver. He wants to enter into all those areas of your life. But, um, I mean, the Lord is always going to be active. And our prayer um, builds on, on our intellect. I mean, I invite you to, to enter into uh, the knowledge and wisdom of church teaching. That's going to change your life. The knowledge and wisdom of the saints. Read about the lives of the saints. You know, you have to, you have to exercise that part of your, the mind. You have, to, you have to, to build up the mind. The church always has something to teach, always has something to say about everything, it seems like. And it's true. So we need to be all the time feeding ourselves uh, in that aspect. Um, it's not just about our heart, uh, but it is about our mind to learn about the saints, to learn about the catechism, learn about uh, the beauty of our faith. And the more, because that often changes the way I relate, it changes the way I see our church, changes the way I see the Lord on a day-to-day, month-to-month level, that uh, I begin to appreciate the Lord more the more I get to know. Just like uh, the more you get to know your life and the responsibilities of your life, you might appreciate your dad or mom more for the struggles they went through or things like that. We need to learn. The more we can learn, uh, the more it's like a feeder and it trickles down to our heart and uh, we're more open to understanding and uh, living the faith in a deeper way. So, but it's a day-by-day thing. We're going to keep screwing up and we're going to keep moving forward. And that's what holiness is, is all about. It's not this uh, wonderful, smooth elevator ride. It's, it's always about uh, striving for holiness, striving for good, but then falling and coming back to the Lord, examining your mind and heart and striving to do better. We're all sinners, but we're all redeemed at the same time because uh, of what the Lord did and who the Lord is for us. And I think as you said so well, it is what the Lord does for us. You know, we can't make ourselves holy. We can't make prayer happen. But just by bringing ourselves to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, to Mary, presenting ourselves, they do the work, you know, and exactly. Mary, Mary's the surgeon. So I just right. want to thank you for your time of this interview because I feel my heart is better and cleaner and I'm sure all of our listeners uh, have benefited from this too so thank you so much as I, as always I like to end with uh, just a priestly blessing so if you could bless me and our listeners the Lord be with you and with your spirit and mighty God bless you the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen, Amen. Go and pray <laughs> Thanks be to God Amen. Thank you Father Jeremy Peace <laughs>